Hello and welcome to Into Your Life podcast. I'm Lenka and I'm joined here by my wonderful co-host Natalie. Hi, we invite you to join our weekly conversations about finding more life in one's life. Well, what does it actually mean? We have discussions with guests about ways to live happier, healthier and more fulfilling lives, both personally and professionally. That sounds great. Let's go. Welcome. Today we have a wonderful guest. We are going to talk about a topic that we bring up quite a lot. We talk about it, but we've never had a guest that would really take us to the roots. And the topic is mindfulness, meditation, this lovely thing that you know, Natalie, maybe we'll have her opinion. Maybe she will share a little bit of her journey with meditation. She has her perspective. I have my perspective. And I'm so thrilled to be speaking today with Derek Hill, who brings in the topic of mindfulness, who is going to talk to us about um, mindfulness and, you know, managing stress and bringing compassion and using breath work and mindfulness and working on a well-being and all sorts of wonderful things but i don't want to put any words into derek's mouth so i want to welcome Derek, <laughs> give him the space to actually introduce himself properly and tell us a little bit about you know you and your journey into mindfulness and where you are right now and what can we expect from this conversation Okay. Um, well, I'm Derek, so thank you very much for the lovely introduction, Lenka and Natalie. Um, I'm, well, I guess I'm originally from, from Dublin in Ireland, um, but I've lived in London for many years. Um, I, how did I find my way into mindfulness, I guess? Um, I, my background is really in predominantly in tech for good. So I used to work, um, I worked in some charities, I worked, um, but mainly in, in tech companies that did good stuff. So people like um, Just Giving and Farewell. Um, and I guess throughout that period, we all have different turning points in our life, don't we? So um, for me, I'd always had an interest in, in meditation. I'd always done lots of fitness and well-being stuff for myself. But I'd also kind of burnt the candle at both ends. I had fun and like I enjoyed life. Um, and I guess when I started to read more, not necessarily about mindfulness, but when I started to read more um, about philosophy and sort of historical references to mindfulness through the different books I read, um, I started to be a bit more interested. Um, and I think I remember many years ago, my brother used to do a lot of meditation. He's a, he's a psychotherapist. And I remember him talking about meditation and I had no real... I couldn't really um, do anything but conceptualize it because I hadn't done it myself. And I used to see the benefits in him. He was a very kind, compassionate person who was interested in people. And he talked about meditation, but until you've done meditation, it seems this sort of abstract thing which people do. So um, I, it, it was probably, I don't know, about 13, 14 years ago when I remember doing meditation for the first time and being like, oh, this is unusual. I've, I, I've not done this before it's quite an unusual experience so that kind of stayed with me trying out meditation through like reading books doing more meditation I also trained um, as a, a mindfulness-based stress reduction teacher which is like the gold standard the sort of universally known one 
And that led me to create Waking Waves, which is my company and the brand that I go under and deliver courses, and workshops, talks for, for individuals and, and companies. So kind of that, that was the, the sort of route I took. Um, but I guess it always comes back to those different inflection points that you have in your life. And like, what is it that made you really interested? And I remember reading, as I'm sure many people have, the, the book, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle um, many years ago. And actually wasn't reading it, but was doing his um, guided meditations on, on like through his, um, through a podcast. And um, I was just listening to it and I, I, med- I did a meditation and I, I, for the first time, really sort of connected in body, like internally with the sensations. And I thought, oh, that's, that's interesting. I, I don't really pay much attention to the sort of aliveness inside your body. And I think from that moment onwards, I started to increase the amount I meditated. And, and that eventually led towards me um, having more of an interest in mindfulness as a potential career path. Um, and I think once I'd done a mindfulness-based stress reduction as a, as a participant for like an eight-week course, I was hooked in so much as without the addiction. <laughs> I was hooked on the, the notion that this is something which really supports me. It really helps me manage stress. Um, it helps me interact with people in a healthier way. My outlook on life started to change a bit, a bit more and, and in surprising ways. Um, I did another one and then I took a teaching path. And then things start transforming to, in, in many, many ways um, to, to, um, like to an extent that it totally, well, I suppose, changed my attitude towards my health, my well-being, to my friends, family, to the things I did every day, and then eventually to doing my own thing, which was helping people <laughs> um, find their route through mindfulness, for example, and, and mindfulness at the heart of whatever learning they need, whether it's stress management, resilience building training, um, whatever whatever is part of the course. So I feel like I did a little bit of a ramble there, which eventually got me around to what I'm doing now, but I hope, hopefully that was help, helpful and gave a bit more colour rather than um, just saying I did all these jobs <laughs> and then this one. <laughs> Oh, we love hearing the journeys. We love hearing how you came to discover love and preach, teach and empower people with the thing that you do. Because, yeah, the journeys to from where we've been to where we're going and to discover are unlimited. And they're just wonderful to hear about those nuances and those little moments in life that really make you think and change and be more curious and discover something. Mm-hmm. And as you were talking, there is one key question that always is on my mind. And I think yeah. lots of our listeners and viewers might have the same one, which is what the hell is the difference between mindfulness and meditation? <laughs> Excellent. It's a great question. Um, I guess mindfulness, if, if you take the two of them separately, meditation is a practice. It's something that we do, isn't it? It's something that... We do as um, a bit like an exercise, you can do yoga. So it's, it's, that is a practice. Um, you can be in a meditative state when you do yoga. So you can be tuned into your body and you can be tuned into the environment around you. Mindfulness to an extent is more of a way of, of life, which encompasses the meditation, which is part of it. So, um, so if you reduce mindfulness to a statement, you could say mindfulness is non-judgmental present moment awareness. So it's a really a simplified way of looking at it. Um, and I, I prefer to use John Kabat-Zinn's longer version because it helps you break it out and explain it to people in a bit more detail what mindfulness is. 
I, I can come back to that shortly, but but the the difference is mindfulness encompasses everything and there's a lot to mindfulness. This the, the challenge is when we try to say mindfulness is two things and you say, well, it's also these other things. It also includes living compassionately. It also includes being empathetic. It also includes being trusting, being patient, non-judgmental, lots of different things. Well, I thought it was just meditation. Well, it, it's not. It's obviously more. And and I think when when people put the two of them together, because mindfulness meditation is a type of practice, <laughs> um, we, we, we assume they're one and the same thing. They are, but they're also more. Um, it's, it's, for, for me, I, I think it's helpful to actually talk about them together. But treat the meditation as the practice which helps you live mindfully. Um, and, and, in, and I guess another distinguishing point is like in, with meditation and mindfulness, you have like formal meditation, which is, tends to be, it sounds really formal, but tends to be like a sitting practice where you sit for a particular period of time or you stand, or you lie down, and it might be anything from 10 minutes plus. Um, you can have informal practice as well, which isn't necessarily a meditation, but it might be just doing a short um, stop practice where you kind of stop, take a few breaths, observe what's going on, your sort of um, the emotional weather, whatever's happening within you, without you, um, and then you proceed mindfully in what you're doing next. So that's something that feels almost conceptual, but you're actually, you're breathing as part of it. You're activating the, the systems in your body to bring calm. Um, and then you're, you're making a choice based on what you're, what you're noticing. So it's a, it's a mindful practice, but it's not a formal meditation, um, which is tends to be sitting, standing, lying down and doing a particular focus on your breath, on your body, sounds, touch, etc. Yeah, this, I've never heard it explained in this way. For me, the way I would often hear people talking about mindfulness, it's either as an opposite to mindlessness, to kind of bring it into contrast of, well, often we live our lives being not present, being mindless, being in our heads, being all over the place, etc. With then the contrast that mindfulness, it's, kind of a way of living it's a state it's you know it could be multiple things but it's in the contrast to words well it's not being mindless it's being mindful being aware and being present I think that's the biggest um kind of a, the distinctions I've heard but I like how you bring in then the aspect of but meditation is a practice because mindfulness has become a big buzzword like it became a boom with the meditation has been growing in popularity recently as well. But then the concept of mindfulness has been absolutely everywhere. And you can see then mindful business and mindful this and mindful that. We are kind of, uh, it's a buzzword. We're productizing it. We're shoving it everywhere. So many people still don't understand what it really is. But, but it, it's interesting that you say that because it's one of the things I do through my courses and working with people is to, to help people um, distinguish what it isn't. Because doing the contrast, like you did, there's a really valuable exercise for people to go. It's not mindlessness. It's not like going out of your mind. It's not like, um, you know, or it's not equally, it's not mind control. Um, what I, I don't tend to just do, it's this, it's an either or situation. Because your mindfulness, to an extent, includes all things. It's an awareness. So like, what, so, so if, if the, to actually break it down, as John Kabat-Zinn does, is a really helpful way, because he... He says mindfulness is the awareness that arises through paying attention 
on purpose in the present moment and non-judgmentally. So then when, when you kind of break that down, you go mindfulness is the awareness that, that arises. So the awareness is the, the sort of the knowledge or the understanding that arises, that comes up when you pay attention. So when you focus your, your attention in a particular way, so that's like on the breath, on the body, on sounds, or whatever is on going on in your environment, um, and non-judgmentally. So you're doing it without judgment. And this is this is the trickiest thing because what happens when we pay attention to what's going on? A lot of stuff comes up. We go, I'm not doing this right. I'm not good at paying attention to my breath, or I'm having too many thoughts. So we start judging the thoughts, and then we start judging ourselves for judging. So we we go into all sorts of cycles and loops. So it's it's a way to sort of understand that non-judgment is critical when it comes if there's anything that's critical it's critical when it comes because otherwise you never get beyond that that first few times and you're like oh like i'm not doing this right i'm not good enough or i can't concentrate enough your mindfulness during a practice for example is the awareness that you need to bring yourself back that's when you're being mindful you're like ah i've gone off wandering bring my attention back to focusing on my breath that's mindful awareness of what's going on so actually, it's like a celebration. When you've gone wandering, you've brought yourself back, you are training your brain to come back. So it's in, in that definition, you also have a practice of understanding how mindfulness, what mindfulness is. Sorry, I thought it's a really, what, what you were raising there is a really useful teaching point. Um, and, and I think the other thing which I was leading to is the saying the things that it isn't is helpful. Like it's no, it's not, not thinking because people think oh i can't um I, I, I can't empty my mind how am i going to empty my mind there's so many thoughts well there's no expectation to empty your mind in mindfulness you can have you can have mindfulness of thought as a practice and it's a trick it's a challenging practice because you'll get carried away in your thoughts um but but it's 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 a there's a way to do it and i would suggest perhaps doing it mindfully suggest once you've had like more training in the others for example as you were talking, you were kind of touching on a couple of the practices or ways of practicing meditation, mindfulness, mm. meditation. A lot of people, when you say these words, will imagine the traditional kind of yogi posture, sitting cross-legged, not thinking of everything, getting into the nirvana, just being, you know, completely blissful. And that feels really far out. It really feels like not something that majority of people can do. And yet then you do have those practices, as you said, kind of the very quick stop practices. Just take a couple of deep breaths, connect with the body. You can be sitting, standing, whatever. Could you kind of outline a couple of the most common practices, ways of you know, being mindful, exploring mindfulness, doing meditation so we can see the scale and we can see all the varieties of things that are actually again encompassed by the simple term mindfulness or meditation so i, I think it's helpful to start at the back in almost like the definition again like we're paying attention in a particular way so the focus of your attention is your starting point it's often called an anchor as well so you, you find you'll find something when you practice more mindfulness that you're more comfortable in so often some people are more comfortable focusing their attention on the body or bodily sensations, um, or some people might find um, more comfort in the breath, um, or some people might find more comfort in movement. So you find, obviously, you can have sounds, you can have thought, as I mentioned, or, or like an open awareness, which encompasses all things. 
So really, the, the starting point is the focus of your attention, really, and then the practice. So it's, let's say the focus of your attention was in the body. The most, probably the most famous one is the body scan. So that's, that, that tends to be like a formal practice where you're sitting or lying down, mostly lying down and in what's known in yoga as the corpse pose, so your kind of hands by your side. And you're, you're then, you're, you're, you're giving yourself a moment to take in the, the whole of your body as you're lying there, making contact with the surface. And of course, as, it, as it, somebody's guiding you through this, they will help you settle and give you an expectation of what's going to come through the practice. Um, and obviously explain what you're going to hear when, when I'm going to give you guidance, that sort of thing. Um, so then you would then limb by limb, essentially go scan through different parts of your body. So you'd start with your toes potentially and, and then tune into the sensations that you notice present. And then literally come up every step through your body tuning in at different points and a, a skilled guide should be able to help you pause at the different parts of the body, tune in, um, but then also make you aware of the fact that your mind might wander, that you might drift off into thinking and giving, letting you know that that's okay. And that's what a busy mind does. And then allow you to come back, bring your attention back and um, to where you intended to focus, what your intention was in the first place. And all this, that, that guidance in and of itself really supports somebody to kind of learn almost like the, the rhythm of going through a meditation. And then over time, you can start to do this yourself, where you can go through your own body from toe to head or from head to toe, go down your arms, start in your hands, wherever you wish. And you start to feel, and I think it's funny, I was writing about this recently, you, 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 that interoceptive awareness, that awareness of, of the internal sensations that are going on inside your body you start to become more connected with them and you start to feel like you can get to a point where you're feeling um your whole hand or your finger by finger and then you got a sense of the hand or the whole hand and um, same with the foot the arm the leg the body the torso um, and then there's also like more visceral feelings you can feel like um your your heart beating um you can feel your breath in your body and you can feel like stuff going on inside your body, viscerally, even in your organs, and the blood moving. There's lots of different ways people can really tune in. And what's really powerful about that practice is it's, it's obviously doing things to bring calm and increase your focus. But over time, this just, just increases your capacity to do the same thing. So you get better at doing the focusing. So again, when this translates to your, your life, whether it's work or in your relationships, you're better able to focus on what's in front of you, what you need to pay attention to in that moment. Um, and again, in terms of how it works in the body, it helps you to obviously bring calm to your nervous system. So you're better able then to regulate your emotions or all sorts of great benefits, which kind of come off the back of it. So that's, that's one practice. And I guess, then without explaining every other practice in detail, you have things like a breath awareness. So again, more internally, a sense of the breath and the body. That's the other, I suppose, most famous practice where you go through how the breath feels in your body. You might focus on the in-breath, you might focus on the out-breath, the breath and the whole body. You have then other you have grounding practices where you might just be like it's um, feet, feet on floor, um, like you're, you're, you're kind of your bottom on the seat like that and you're actually just rounding in um, feeling your feet planted you might have the, the mountain meditation where you kind of visualize yourself a little bit of visualization there which doesn't come so often into mindfulness but visualizing yourself as a mountain and the weather passing over you you also have the um, 
So I tried guys philosophy of gratitude practices, compassion practices, and um, even loving kindness practices, open awareness. There's there's so many different practices, but they all serve a different, I guess. And ultimately, it's about focusing your attention. But they all serve a different purpose at different times. So throughout your day. I enjoy in the morning practice. I like a body scan in the morning because I really feel it stabilizes me. I do some mindful movement out in the garden, which is nice. Again, assuming everything goes to plan and nobody wakes up before me. Um, But I normally get to stand outside about 6 a.m. and do some like mindful stretching, listen to the trees. A lovely way to start your day. I don't look at my phone before it. So it's it's hard not to do that. But it means my, my mind isn't flooded with lots of other things. And the tone for the day is set up by what, by what intention I set then. Then I do, a, I guess, some sort of sitting meditation or mindful movement, a full, longer mindful movement. And, and, and that really sets me up for the day. But throughout the day, I might pause and do a stop practice. I might do a gratitude practice later or self-compassion. If I'm having a hard time to say, like, it's okay. I'm not the only one suffering. Other people have a hard day. Um, yeah. So I kind of went off on one there. So I hope that was helpful. <laughs> There's quite a variety of different practices that you can do. And it's, as Lanka mentioned earlier, you know, we each come to meditation differently. And meditation for me is something that I do struggle with. I find it really difficult to just be in in, in that state, whether it's breathing, whether it's you know, focusing on my body, whether it's looking at a candle or, or or whatever it is. And I have come across people who have almost given me permission that it's okay if you can't meditate because it's not something that everybody can do. It's not something you're guaranteed of doing. But a, a form, from what I'm understanding, and do correct me if I'm wrong, is meditation as as Lenka said you know it's not necessarily about being you know on in the nirvana state and floating yogi in the lotus position I can't even do the lotus position without being in pain Join the club. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's about that moment so one of the you brought up um yoga practicing and I I do yoga I really enjoy yoga I've done it for years is for me it's a meditation is when you do a balancing practice because if your mind is all over the place well so are you you know it's like wobble 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 and especially the tree you know it's all very nice having all the leaves going but (laughs) it's not very evident but if you are actually in that moment and focused on for, for me that point in the distance closing the mind down and just focusing on on the the pose at that particular time I find that these balancing poses really work and then then they do work you know standing on one foot with a leg up and yeah google the, the the tree pose so for me that is that is a form of meditation and I have noticed over the years if the mind is oh yeah but I've got to do this and I've got to get the washing and I've got to do this and a hubby is rattling away mm-hmm. somewhere the dog is pacing up and down and it's just all this you know chatter going on there's me not a very elegant tree with my foot keep going down and my arms are flapping all over the place and my yoga instructor laughing at me and she, she says to me oh you're not very focused today aren't you 
But when I'm focused and you're on that point, you almost just stand there and you can feel like a tree. You know, you feel that that strength. You feel that stillness. For me, that is about as close to meditation as as I get. So yeah. is that a form of meditation or is that I, just... I would, I, would venture, I would venture to say that, I would venture that, yes, you are in that state, I would imagine. I, what I would say is that there's... Um, I, I do standing meditations and I used to do the like tree-based ones as well. The, just to, the difference often between yoga and traditional yoga where it's more efforting and meditation or, or when I say meditation, I mean mindfulness meditation or mindful, mindful movement. So it tends to be a sort of striving, a, a goal, it's kind of push your limits. Whereas mindfulness is about not pushing beyond your limits, but testing them. So for instance, in a in the balancing poses is a great example. I do lots of balancing poses um, for, um, say lots, I do, I do some balancing poses in my mindful movement. And it's about tuning into those sensations that are present in, the, in that pose. So it's about being with them. And exactly as you say, it's when you're with those um, sensations, you, you are meditating, you're, mind, you're mindful of the sensations that are going on in your body and of the pose. And yes, thoughts come up, oh, my foot came down. And this is where the key difference is. You're not self-critical in that moment. You might be, but what, what might happen is like, oh no, I failed. But in mindfulness, you would bring non-judgment to the fact that um, you like a feeling of failure and you would also bring kindness. You would go, it's okay. People, people can't hold these poses. And you're not necessarily saying those words loud and explicitly every time, but it's a sense that you give to yourself and then you bring yourself back. And especially in, in something where it's bordering striving, um, where you're trying to push beyond your limits. So, so for instance, when I'm doing um, the poses, if I'm holding on to a pose for, for a long time as part of like the guidance or whatever, and I feel really uncomfortable, I don't, I don't have to push myself beyond it. I can go, okay, that's enough. I've, I've learned, I've, I've got what I've needed. Um, that's okay. I, I, that was my limit. It's okay. I don't need to push the boundaries. So yeah, and and the the I guess that feeling you get, it, it it's hard to just explain without trying to trying to get something or cling to some fantastic state. But but don't get me wrong. When I first started doing meditation, like this is what I was trying to say about that feeling, that visceral feeling I felt inside my body of energy moving through my body, really took me by surprise. And like it like it like something I really wanted. I want more of it. I was like, wow, I really want to. So like a little high. And then I realized that's part of the problem as well, because then you're, you're always climbing, you're always chasing that, that sensation. Whereas the sensation is just your body responding to things it's probably never paid attention to that are always there. So when you do a body scan, it's a really powerful way to really tune you into how much energy is and, and sensation is moving through your body. And then once you've done more body scans, then when you do your um, standing meditations, it's, it's totally different. You're, you're feeling it through your body as you move. So it's, it can be a really beautiful, serene, energetic feeling when you're doing a, um, a sort of movement-based meditation when your mind's not buzzing and spinning a million miles an hour, which often it is, um, depending on the day, on time of day. And it happens to everybody. I mean, I've had times where I just couldn't stop. And I convinced myself I'm not thinking. Your mind's really clever, isn't it? It'll tell you you're not thinking. But you are. <laughs> you're often one. Or you, you'll tell yourself, oh, I'm just going to stop thinking in a minute. And, but I'm not really thinking now. Whereas you are, you're off, you're off on one. 
And that's okay. It's okay to be thinking, but to not recognize it is you, you've gone off wandering for too, for say, too long, but without judgment, it's you've gone wandering. So, okay, I'll bring it back. Um, yeah, so it, there's a lot of trickery that goes on inside your mind and it, and recognizing that they're just thoughts and they, they're transient. They come and they go. They disappear. A bit like sounds. Sounds come and go in your environment. You can't cling to them. Uh, they're there and they're gone. It's the same with thoughts. They're there and they're gone. They just appear. We have something like 6,200 thought worms a day. I don't know if I've ever talked to you about that, Lenke, but thought worms are and um, the, the, the trace is left behind when we move from one thought to the next. So like researchers in Queen's University in Canada, did, um, fMRI, fMRI scans uh, of, of people's brains to, to look what happens when we're thinking. And there's a lot of thinking. So it's about like four a minute. You can't hold on to those. <laughs> you, can't, you can't stop them there. <laughs> anyway, nice segue into thinking. <laughs> But one of one of the things that you are sharing with us is is this this being kind to to oneself because you know we are in a society that push 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 push, but when like you said it's not about judging it's not about being critical but actually giving yourself a, the permission to be human yeah. give yourself that permission to okay. Today, my arms were flat. It was a very wavy tree. You know, the, there was a gale force wind. So off, you know, the arms were going. But that's okay because yeah. I am human. Because I'm having a day. It's it's the moon's doing something or the planets are doing something or the husband's doing something or the dogs are doing something. But you are being human. We're not robots. We're not We're not the same every single day of our lives and by allowing yourself to have that day where you find it well I find it difficult to be in that um a pose uh, the balancing poses some days I love yoga there are other days where it's just not happening but it's it's like it's okay some days I can concentrate on my breath and other days it's like, oh, get on with it. You know, I'm breathing. It's going in, it's going out. Just enough is enough. And I think it's it's about, okay, today it's not working. We'll try again later or we'll do it tomorrow. That's fine. The world's not going to end. You're still who you are. And I think this is, from my understanding, is so important with, with mindfulness. It's allowing you to be human to have those emotions to have the good days the bad days the days where you're full of energy days where you're not so full of energy maybe you've been up all night because of whatever reason you're not going to be as active as if you've had a good night's sleep and and yeah. the thing is i think that's what you're trying to say is it's so important to be kind to yourself, to give yourself that permission to, okay, wasn't so good today, but that's fine. It's, you did it. It was a gale force wind, so the tree wasn't working so well, but that's okay. Try something different or do it later or find a way because tomorrow is another day. Tomorrow you might do a wonderful pose and stand in a balancing for 10, 15 minutes because it's, it's a different day. 
Have I got that right? I'm glad you drew, drew that sentiment from from the I guess the self kindness through a meditation when I was talking about the the and a big part of mindfulness. I guess coming back to the whole point, like if we're talking about non judgmental awareness, present moment awareness, that includes everything. That includes what's going on as it being a human being, the, like the fundamentals of being human. So it has to include everything. So to, to exclude something would imply that it would would make it inaccurate anyway. But the self-compassion and compassion is an, is a big part of mindfulness it's, i can't remember the actual um quote but it's like seen as two wings of the same bird so you have mindfulness on one hand and compassion on the other and in our society certainly in western societies compassion and well certainly self-compassion isn't the thing people don't do self-compassion very well they know the word compassion and i'm saying this without being um, judgmental and i'm saying this without being patronizing as well but we use the word compassion interchangeably we use it to describe things we're compassionate this we're compassionate that and what that actually means and again saying this um, assuming somebody didn't know would be compassion is to genuinely suffer with that person to see to recognize um, their suffering the pain that they're going through and to suffer with them intentionally to help them to alleviate them of their suffering and that's a quite a big action to take on behalf of someone and it's like like mental health awareness day for example to want to alleviate somebody's suffering on mental health awareness day requires action um, and that is that's hard for people so giving um yes we donate we give um, clothing, we um, give our time, we give consultancy, we give all these sorts of things. But compassion takes a, a, a bit of a step further. And what tends to be lost in this is we're very good in our Western societies, but self-compassion does not come to us. I know I was brought up to be kind of be tough and not to cry and always don't do this. And um, certainly in Ireland, when I grew up, it was, it was like word I'd never heard of the word self-compassion for a start being kind to yourself certainly didn't exist either you had to just do better work harder and you know I mean don't cry the usual sort of stuff and and when you when you're kind of cultured in that way and you're conditioned in that way over time you can't just like you can't switch it off it's it's embedded within your wiring you you've kind of you held that deep in your emotional memory so you can't suddenly let that go so that's why self-compassion is a really important practice to go with mindfulness. And self-compassion in mindfulness is, is, is comprised of three parts. So you have, um, has mindfulness, so not over-identifying with thinking. Um, it also has um, a common humanity. Um, so the, the, the recognition that we are all um, in this together, we all suffer, we all struggle, we all have pain. Um, and the and the wisdom of knowing this, the sort of the being with what's going on. Um, so it's it's a really important practice to cultivate, and you can do it, I guess, in micro when you're in a practice, bringing kindness, bringing giving yourself a, a word of or a few words of self compassion, saying it's okay, it's okay for you to have a hard time, Derek. Um, that's hard for somebody to say who's brought up not be, being tough, and and like. Being, being a lad, all that sort of thing doesn't really help people to um, use self-compassion or practice self-compassion. Um, so yeah, it, it certainly took me quite a leap. I struggled when I first, as when I started doing a mindfulness and compassion course, I, it was a struggle initially with compassion. I was like, okay, this is going to be a tough one. How do I, how do I start practicing this and doing it in front of people? And, and then like, um, talking about it and, and then I realized it's a really really powerful practice 
and it really enriches you and nourishes you and helps you in so many situations um especially those situations you just mentioned Natalie the very simple ones which happen not just day to day but throughout your day where you're giving yourself a hard time over something and it's just fleeting it just happens instantly that inner self-talk is relentless so you you hear it all the time and you obey it the majority of the time um, whereas you could just go no it's not kind to talk to myself like that it doesn't help me it won't help me get this done so instead I'm going to say it's okay that you didn't know that off the top of your head <laughs> 10 seconds ago you might get it back you might not that's also okay a lot of the things that you're touching on we talk about practice we talk about the modalities the ultra options about you know the training it seems like a lot of work and a lot of time and often when I do talk with people who are not fully in the world of mindfulness and meditation and I do mention that you know I do meditation or I experiment and explore and I'm learning they're like well how long does it take like how long do you have to meditate for it to work and how do you know it's working so could you yeah. put our listeners minds at ease with a little bit of a <laughs> maybe reframing because I think there is a little bit of a reframing needed in this expectations of well what mindfulness what meditation can do for us because we hear about all those benefits stress relief you know more focus more productivity all sorts of wonderful things which we can touch on all the benefits as well but most importantly well how quickly because we want it now what do I need to do? How often do I need to do it? For how long do I need to do it? So finally, I get what I want. Yeah, it's a it's a great question. And it's a great conundrum as well, Lenka, because I guess when you... So if we look at the sort of the, the plethora of things that are out there that can support us in our life, like I, I, I've, I've certainly seen content you've shared as well, like stuff when we going out and spending time in the woods, for example, is a really nourishing amazing experience which is good for our well-being and it makes us happy and gives us those endorphins and feel-good chemicals so things like that and i'm picking that as an example apologies but i think stuff like that there's there's that and then there's well-being stuff people do in their offices there's all sorts of things that go on and and then we see mindfulness almost as something that's aside from that so this is where the challenge begins and it comes back to the whole thing about mindfulness being how you live your life, not necessarily one thing you do all the time. It's obviously, it's obviously, sorry, it's also one of the most common, um, uh, what's it called, uh, not negative things, but like the kind of projections almost like, oh, what, how, how quickly is it going to happen? Or, um, you know what I mean? And when will I learn? You know what I mean? How will I, how will I know? And the how quickly I would, it's, it's a difficult one to answer because I would say it's about your investment in it. It's how important it is to you. I would never suggest to someone say, hey, start doing mindfulness. It's going to, I mean, I will, I will talk about it in that way, but I will not say to someone upfront, you need to do this or you should do this. People will make their mind up when they're ready to self-select for something. It's very hard to convince someone to do something if they don't want to do it. The, the best people... I would say, say best people, the people who are most likely to take it up and enjoy it are people who are a little bit skeptical, who are a little bit unsure about it, are curious and might have tried other things and then go, okay, I might even have a competitive streak in them and go, okay, I'd like to see if this, this works for me. You don't have to spend your whole day doing it. Of course, you couldn't be. You can't be mindful every second of the day. But here's the thing, everybody's mindful. 
to different degrees. So like you at different points in your day, you'll notice something. You'll see something beautiful pass you by, like a like a something in the grass, a flower, a bird flying, a cloud, wherever it might be. And in a fleeting moment, you will be mindful. You'll be mindful of what's in front of you and you'll connect with it. And then that might pass and then it might become something else. You might start thinking about something else in that process and you go, okay, then you'll got your brain will go off and when you go, I need to get back to more important things. It's because as, as humans, we're on, we're on autopilot. We're kind of just going from one thing to the next. And it's hard to switch off. I must do this. I must do this. I must do this. This isn't worthy of my time. Doing nothing. How can doing nothing be worthy of my time? And we, if, unless we shake that off, it's hard. So it's good to go in with a little bit of skepticism because when you do the training, and, and this is why when I work with people or when I work with a company, it's to help them understand what's happening throughout the process. First of all, what's happening when they're stressed and what's going physiologically going on in their body, the impact of that. So you know all the, the, the impacts. Okay, I hear mindfulness is wonderful for this, but why do I need it? Well, here's all the things that's happening when you're stressed. Here's all the ways you can focus. Here's all the things um, that might affect you now and later in life. Here's the extreme versions, not so extreme versions. And then you explain how, when you practice mindfulness, for example, it allows you to then, um, to, I guess, change some of those things, change how you respond in those situations. So if you're typically um, reactive in emotionally charged situations or in stressful work situations, then mindfulness, through practicing it, allows you to bring more calm in those situations, allows you to focus and make more conscious choices. Because when you're stressed, you won't activate your, your prefrontal cortex, your kind of executive functions offline. So you can't really think straight. So when you appeal to people in these ways, they start to make con connections between them. So I feel you can't, you can't have a one size fits all for people and say, hey, this is gonna work for you, you should do mindfulness because of these reasons. You have to understand what their reason is, what their barrier is. If it's time, okay, this is how it will save you time. This is how it will help you be more efficient with the time that you've got. And when somebody connects with that particular point, they're gonna, okay, that makes more sense. Um, and then they, might, they may try it out. And when you try it out, the proof is in the pudding because once you've tried it and once you've had skillful guidance, you will connect with your um, sensations. You'll connect with your breath and you will feel a benefit physiologically. You are the best proof of it. You will feel the benefit. And for me, over time, doing it consistently, I saw enormous changes in my life. Um, some of them happened of their own accord. I was like, okay, well, I'm suddenly making different choices. Um, and then some of them were conscious choices. They start to bleed into conscious choices. When I realized there was a connection between the two things, it's like, ah, okay, I'm choosing this. And now I make quite definitive choices about what I will or will not do. And I'm able to stick to it. And, it, and, I, and I feel really confident. I have no doubt I would stick to it um, because of the fact that I've had the, the evidence <laughs> backed up. Um, so it's, it's a long answer because it, it's different per individual um, but I would say you need to come back to what's it like if you, I don't have enough time how long will it take how long's a piece of string but here's one that might help you today um, I, I think it's it's a tricky one you can do short practices you can do 10 minute practices there's evidence base for 10 minute practices being valuable for people long practices increase gray matter density in your brain um, thin the amygdala so you're less emotionally reactive um, you've got this, the, 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 your prefrontal cortex and level of activation is much higher. All sorts of things from doing longer practices, really beneficial. 
Short practices will bring calm when you really need it. Simple. So when you're calm before a meeting, before every meeting, before this call, I'll take a few deep breaths. Slows my breathing, calms my nervous system. I feel a lot better. Heart rate goes down. I can speak clearer. I can, um, my brain's functioning. I can articulate myself better. I think people need to know what's relevant to them because if you spout off all the benefits, they're like, oh my, you and a you and hundred, hundred other <laughs> well-being in, <laughs> interventions. Um, but yes, I hope that helps. <laughs> yes, that helps a lot. Thank you. Sometimes it is about the simple. I think we are prone to overcomplicate things and it's, it's going back to, to the simple. So, yeah. I mean, for me personally, the thought of anything longer than 10 minutes is like, oh my, you know, that's too overwhelming, but that's because I'm not into it. I have a friend who says, oh, 40 minutes is a short practice for me. I'm like, okay, whatever works for you. Fine. But it is, <laughs> it is about taking a step back and going back to simple, you know, they keep it simple. And simple doesn't mean that it's not effective. It doesn't mean that it doesn't work. It just means don't overcomplicate something. So as, as, as you mentioned, Derek, you know, before coming onto this call, just take a few deep breaths. Yeah. It's such a simple tool. And it's something that I often recommend to clients or to people just to help with confidence, not necessarily yeah. mindfulness or meditation or being and kind. Difference. <laughs> it's just about being confident and getting that brain to stop going, yeah, we've got to be on a call. Oh, my God, what am I going to happen? Oh, my God, what's going to happen? It's just taking three deep breaths, focusing on that. It takes, what, 30 seconds, a minute, depends on how big your lungs are. But the thing is, that can just slow you down. So just that simple task of three deep breaths in and out, is a form of, of mindfulness. And I, I do love how a lot of things overlap. They interact with anything. Just because I'm talking confidence doesn't mean that you're not being mindful to or giving yourself that self-care just by practicing something for confidence. And it's yeah. great how, yeah. how these tools can overlap with so many different ideas and different things. But it's don't overcomplicate stuff. Just make it yeah. really simple. <laughs> simple. Simple is really important because actually if you come back to what mindfulness is, that's hard. It's a simple practice. It's focusing your attention on one thing and staying there. But it's simple doesn't make it easy because you still it's still difficult to hold your attention. But that's where the mental muscle increases. So the way you said you're, it's scary doing anything beyond that. Of course it is until you do more it's the same like if you've ever done marathon training or if you've ever done anything that's been incremental learned it learned music driven a car but until it becomes unconsciously you become unconsciously competent and um, not quite the same as mindfulness but like you you everything feels difficult and there's a learning curve and over time the mindful muscle muscle increases your your posture gets better you can sit up more upright so sit more in an s position as you're doing i struggled so much with my lower back when i first started doing sitting practices i had to have cushions all the time but now i, I don't need them yes my back hurts but i know how to make adjustments mindfully so i stay within the practice but the i, I get the other thing i'd say is what's important is not to give people the illusion that that's all all it is just the simple practices 
what comes with that is a responsibility as well is to say okay i'm making the simple practices but what other now that i know this and it's brought and calm are my choices mindful about what i'm doing am i mindful of other people around me am i communicating in a way that's empathetic and supportive of them am i then choosing things which go on in my life which impact how i feel which then doesn't get me back into this where i'm desperately needing to take a breath because often what happens is people want the, want the plaster, don't they? They want to quickly get something to fix something. And, and that, that works only to keep yourself at a level. But if you want to actually get yourself to make progress in anywhere where you actually have transformative changes, sometimes you have to make bigger leaps in terms of, okay, well, I'll increase my practice, try something for 15 minutes, or I'll try a practice where a standing one, which I find more comfortable for longer. And that sort of kind of laddering up eventually gets you a point where it becomes such a habit that you realize that you've been doing it for so long. You're like, it's now intrinsic to what's going on in your life. It's in there. You bring into every, when I'm in a queue in a shop, I'm in the car at the traffic lights, I'll take a breath. I, if I feel a moment of road rage bubbling up, I'm like, I get really annoyed. And I'm like, and then I laugh at myself. It's like, I, I'm aware of what I'm doing and I'm allowing my physiology, which is going to happen to completely take control of me. Um, but that's also okay. I don't give myself a hard time about it. I just know if I notice, I'm like, yes, I notice it. Great <laughs> result. And um, but that's that's the progress. And then making your little your steps without giving yourself a hard time along the way. And sometimes it is fun just to have that spurt of road rage and you know, yeah, anger is an emotion. We need anger is anger is an emotion. If you can like, without containing, and containing is another confusing word. Isn't it? Can we contain it? But like, um, we. we mindfulness is mindful awareness of your emotions as well it's about noticing what comes up and what tends to come up if i'm in a practice i might like feel like some anger or sadness or frustration coming up over time the more you practice you start to get underneath what's driving that emotion because what sits beneath it is really what's causing you and you, what's causing those patterns of behavior what's causing you to be in the situation you're in whether it was a a response Say, say you had a real, you had a conflict with someone. It's like, why did I have the conflict in the first place? You start blaming them or you blame yourself. Why am I blaming them or blaming myself? Where is that rooted? In your practice, then you might notice something coming up and then you're like, okay, I'm still feeling this. Be self-compassionate. But sometimes you can get under the skin of what it is that's really driving you. It can come from childhood. It can be from anywhere. Um, but it allows you to make space for those things and then to see if there's a choice you can make going forward where that doesn't cause you so much challenge. And, and that's the true power of mindfulness because it's it's not therapy, but it has, it has therapeutic benefits and you start to uncover quite a lot and you start to realize you're powering this yourself. You're, you're enabling it. You're like, you're allowing it to emerge. Um, and by, by you, I mean, whatever you means in the context of really in a universal context, you, <laughs> wherever you identify with, um, you know what I mean? The, the sort of the idea of like a self and in this context, is, it's it can be unusual in the context of mindfulness because it's experience. It's what's happening. Um, and there's a lot happening. <laughs> and you, you, you mentioned that and, and you've used that word quite a bit as the awareness and, you know, just yeah. going back to, to the, the road rage and the anger. I mean, that quite often is just, mm. just comes up. But being aware yeah. of it and and sometimes, you know, just depending on, on the mood that I'm in is I feel that anger coming up or the road rage or that frustration and and so and I'm aware of it and I say, oh, okay, and like you just laugh at myself or just say, ah, okay, just leave it. But then sometimes it's like 
let me see where this goes. Let me see you just carry yeah. on with it. And I think, but it's it's about being aware. So it's not so much a instinctual thing anymore. It's not just um, something that you do and and you're not even aware of it anymore. It's it's being aware. It's okay. Am I going to stop effing and blinding at the driver in front of me who's just coming up? Or am I just going to shrug my shoulders and go, maybe he's having a bad day or he's late to go somewhere? You know, I then have the choice. And sometimes, yes, it's quite fun to carry on with the effing and blinding because I'm alone in my car and, you know, nobody can hear me. And then sometimes it's like, why? Why am I reacting, allowing this, this frustration or this anger to happen? But it's that awareness, and quite often, mm-hmm. a lot of the this, especially with the outbursts and the negativity and the the aggression, is just this. But nobody's people are not always aware of what they're doing. They're not aware of where did that come from, or mm-hmm. it, it just I call it vomiting on on other people. You know, there's just like the, this. You know, if you if you're gonna vomit it you can't necessarily stop yourself from vomiting, you know, so it's just like comes out, but it's, it's, I think the mindfulness then is about being aware. So you've used that word. It gets you to the sink first. It gets you to the sink first when when you're about to do that. I'm going to vomit. Okay. Let's make a plan. Get the bucket or go. (laughs) But but it's, but it's not even it's but it's the truth and that's it because you can't you you ultimately there'll be a situation where you can't stop yourself but the but the awareness that it's there is the first step and going okay what choice could I make now that would be more supportive of me because that's really what I want to do in my heart of hearts I might I might unconsciously want to kind of ride this out and actually really get into the rage and everything I might do that but actually if I really want to change my responses what what could I do right now it could be just to vent a bit, could be to find an outlet for my anger, some, some activity, could be wherever we need to do. But it doesn't have to be taking out on the other person who is just really a reflection of your rage in many situations. Um, but 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 that 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 is that is the I guess that's the that's the real learning. That's the self-reflection. That's the inquiry, like when you're in a, in a practice, but the self-reflection you do afterwards to think, OK, what is it? And that's why journaling as part of anything is helpful you can you can write it down if you don't journal you can just you can just reflect on it and go okay well what happened in that situation if you have someone you can talk to as well who who wants to share this type of presence it's a great way to say like this is these are the sort of things i really struggle with and i I can't talk to people about them and and this doesn't imply that when you become when you start doing mindfulness you become something different you're still you you're fundamentally who you are you're just making slight tweaks and transition like so tweaks to how you respond and react in different situations and say that's just one thing there's lots of things but that's one really powerful thing that happens for people i find is they can insert a pause before they make that decision and they go okay what do i need to do and well i'll choose mindfully what i do next i'm not going to do something which is going to ruin my whole day or ruin somebody else's day i'll just leave it I mean, with road rage, I had an example where I should have left something and I didn't. And I felt rotten for ages afterwards. Like I, I, I reacted to the person. I like made a face or something, which was like, like, a, like a silly face. And I felt like so, 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 so silly. Why did I do that? And the, it just riled them up. But like for me, I just felt, oh, how like ridiculous it was pointless. But it was because I tried to turn my anger into something else, which actually 
was me tricking myself into allowing myself that the rage. So it's like you can play all sorts of tricks on yourself and tell yourself you're not doing it. The choice to actually leave it, go, okay, I can let go of that. And, and that's why mindful attitudes are helpful. Letting go, not clinging to things, not grasping, not holding on is a really powerful but incredibly different, difficult practice. <laughs> Our, our brains are very easy to trick and we can con them yeah. into all sorts of different things. Yeah. Um, this has been such a fantastic topic and it's obviously something that we can talk about for hours, different different yeah, yeah. you know, forms of, of mindfulness and meditation. But one thing is we always like our guests to share is either something like a gold nugget or something that's really you really want to get out there or have we not asked a question that you want to share with 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 the audience? So anything that's coming to your mind that you just think I've got to share this or a final thought. Now's hmm. the time. I guess I guess the I guess the thing that comes to me and we probably haven't covered enough is around stress and we we talk about stress a lot and it's something that's very difficult which kind of it's a, it's a process which kind of happens in our bodies and causes all sorts of ills to ourselves and social ills all sorts of things and chronic stress which leads to burnout in organizations um but but the i guess the power of something like mindfulness is to be able to change your response to that is to transform how you respond rather than react in situations so if you think of something really practical that you can take from it so if, like meditation is fantastic it's great it make it'll make you feel good it'll make you sleep better it's a lot of things Lenka was saying it'll give you better digestion greater immunity benefit 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 but like the thing that would stand out for me is like how is this is there something i can take away now and know it will support me and it's stress it will reduce um, your reactivity, your stress reactivity. And what does stress do to us? Stress causes stuff that we know there's an enormous amount of research done on, on the damage it does to our health, physically, mentally, and emotionally. So mindfulness, if I was wanting to take something practical where I go, okay, by practicing this over time, consistently, doesn't have to be a huge amount, I know I will give myself the, the, the I guess, the power and the tools to transform my relationship with stress. And that's that's quite that's quite a big thing. And and I can say this one hundred percent from personal experience. I've one hundred percent done this. I'm 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 not a very stressed person. Um, I, I I might have kind of ridden on my stress in the past, but I'm totally aware of when I'm stressed. Whether it's in it, like whether it's excitement, whether it's that sort of you stress, that feeling that you get doing a podcast with someone, you get like a kind of a buzz and a and a lift. So I know I recognise when that happens, and I know when I'm I'm kind of on a high with it. But I know also when things aren't good and I'm like, of course, when you feel threat or danger, you'll, you'll know that immediately. You'll have little control over what's going on. But when there's underlying stress, when I'm not getting enough sleep, when I'm feeling tired, frustrated, irritable, and that's ongoing, if you're not in touch with that, that soon becomes something else. It might become behavior, it might become a habit, it might become a, um, a way of acting, it might become how you manage or de rather deal with relationships. And then that can be really damaging for people. And, and to know that a practice, which you can just do daily, which feels really good, actually, <laughs> can be something which, and I say feels really good without making this sound, oh, wow, it's all high and all that, but just feels good because it energizes you and 
actually helps you manage your stress and is proven to do so. So that 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 is something which I, I think is a, is, a, is a thought, but it's, it's also a fact that people can take away. And that is a, a really gold nugget, um, you know, that one of the benefits and the big benefit is helping to manage stress and just helping with stress. So thank mm. you for sharing that. Now, for somebody who's listened to this and they're thinking, I need to speak to Derek, I need to reach out. How can they find you? Where can they find you? Yeah, um, so uh, they can find me on my my website, which is breakingwaves.com or on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm quite busy on LinkedIn. I post a lot on LinkedIn, a lot of content. Um, and I've got a company page, obviously, on LinkedIn as well. But I'm also on Insight Timer. So Insight Timer is like the sort of one of the big meditation apps. You got like Calm, Headspace, Insight Timer. So I have um, I've got lots of free content on there. People can listen to the free meditations, but I've also got premium content as well. I've got five audio courses on there as well. Um, so if they're a premium user, they get access to those. Um, but yeah, so I try to and I do live streams weekly on Insight Timer. So I so people can access free as well as you know, I mean, speak to me. I've, I've got a free course as well. I feel like I'm dishing loads of stuff out here, but I've got a free course on my website, which is wakingwaves.com forward slash unlock. So if people want a five-day taster course of mindfulness, they can do that course. Now it comes with guided meditations, video walkthroughs, and loads of sort of visual resources. So I get a lot of stuff out. Um, and if people ever want to have a chat, of course, all my, all my details are on there. And we will have all the links in the show notes so that anybody can um, access it and find all this free stuff and hopefully have a conversation with you and get you to help them to de-stress and find a, become more mindful. So thank you so much for sharing your time with us, sharing your energy with us and being here and sharing the information that, that you have shared. You've shared so much on mindfulness meditation and how important it is and just ways that we can do it we really appreciate you giving your time and just being here on on and as a way to have more in one's life and to really find a different way or a new way or something you know just introducing new thoughts for our audience if there's any Body who you think we need to be speaking to, if this has resonated with you, you want us to dig into it more, or what do you find or think about mindfulness and meditation? Is this something you're thinking, hell, this sounds really weird, or yes, I want to get into this, or I have been doing this for ages. We'd love to know your thoughts on this. We'd love to know where are you on a mindfulness and meditation journey? You often hear me and Lenka talking about our journeys, but we'd love for you to share yours. And if there's a topic that you would like us to cover, please let us know, reach out, and we will talk about it with ourselves as well as try and help find somebody who can dig deeper. So thank you, Derek. We've really appreciated your time. And until next time, see you soon. If you enjoyed listening to our conversation, please share it with your friends and colleagues and don't forget to subscribe. We would love it if you could give us a five-star rating and write a short review.